Good morning and welcome to the first edition of Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my colleague, Amy Shepard. Good morning. Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by 510K Cafe. In this series, we're meeting with medical technology leaders to discuss the trends, innovations, and future of marketing and PR in the medtech industry. Today, we're talking to Christine Horton, the VP of Marketing at Non and Medical. Christine has over 20 years of medical device experience in a variety of executive roles. She's worked with VC-backed companies and startups to major Fortune 500 firms, and she truly has a holistic view of the medical technology marketing process. We're so excited to have her today and to have her share her insight with us. Welcome, Christine. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. Yes, welcome, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Well, let's start off by talking about your background. How long have you been in medical device marketing? Um, you know, um, at the risk of exposing my age, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with um, over 20 years. Um, but certainly, that's just the medical medical device marketing piece of it. I've been in medical device since 1992, so quite of an, um, an expansive um, career and, um, you know, over a, a lot of different specialties, really. Well, it sounds like you have quite a background with a lot of experience. Christine, in your opinion, how has marketing in med tech evolved over the years? Sure. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And it's certainly really relevant right now because we're probably seeing an evolution in medical device marketing. And certainly I would say in marketing in general, that is equal to strides that we made over the last decade. It is, um, it's a time for resiliency really. And if I think back to when I first started you know, we used to really put a product out on the market and we didn't think about some key elements that are really, really critical today. And and that could be that, um, you know, related to reimbursement. I don't remember ever caring or thinking that much about who is going to pay for a product today. And especially today with the state of, you know, healthcare. A lot of the the stresses that I'm sure we're going to get into um, later that hospitals and clinics and other um, sites of care are experiencing, you know, we really do have to be extremely in tune to the reimbursement world and payers. You know, I think the other big thing that I would point out is certainly the FDA and the relationships with FDA have changed over time. And, you know, to go back to my earlier statement about the evolution, the rapid evolution that we're seeing right now, we saw the FDA make a number of really um, critical decisions um, earlier this year around COVID-19 products and how they were going to get some of these products that were essential to healthcare and essential to patients to the market faster. And so we saw a very different FDA um, like kind of like we're seeing um, different payers and the way that they're showing up. So when you look at just those two entities, and we could spend a long time talking um, about you know different different influences on on medical device marketing, but when we look at just those two, and we look at just this year, um, I would say that what those have also kind of forced us to look at much more is our data and being much more data driven as organizations and as marketers. 
um, to, to kind of ask ourselves, what is the data showing us? And um, what do customers need? What do they want? What What is patient care evolving to look like? What are the numbers um, around the globe? Really, what direction are they really pointing us in um, right now? So Christine, thanks for that you know, bit of historical perspective on how you have seen things change. So let's talk a little bit more about 2020. It's been quite a year <laughs> between a global pandemic and social injustice and unrest. And, you know, now with election time yeah. coming up, can you talk to us a little bit more about how Nonin, um, as a medical device company has adapted during this time and made any shifts or adjustments? Yeah. Wow. What a, you know, what a, what a question, Julie, honestly. I mean, we could, you know, there's so many, so many places we could take that conversation and, 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 you know, there's so much business impact to your question, but there's a lot of personal impact. And I think that's where, you know, when we look at, um, you know, not in medical specifically and how our leadership and, and, you know, our employees have, have really addressed a lot of these issues. Um, I'll tell you quite frankly that the number one thing, the, the most important thing throughout all of this, no matter what you're talking about, was very open and honest conversation and communication. Without that, what I think um, what I think is at risk is the fact that people feel even more isolated and alone during a time when, you know, we all need to band together as teams, as companies, as individuals. It's incredibly important right now. And that that in particular, what what actions we took were, were really around a lot of um, communication. So what tools were we providing our employees as we asked them to all move into rapidly remove move into um, remote work? So, Nanin, by uh, tradition, had not been a. Even though we're a global organization, we had corporate. We have corporate headquarters in Minneapolis, and we have a lot of people that work on site. And that was our. That was um, you know how we worked, and we within a very short amount of time had everybody rapidly working remotely. And you know that. Um, that went well because there was so much communication and so many resources offered to our employees. So HR had just, and they continue to have um, a lot of resources, both on, you know, from mental health to um, checklists to other resources. um, And they, they continue to really reach out and engage with employees on that. Um, We have had communications around how to stay healthy how to work remotely. And we've implemented some both, you know, fun and, you know, some business guidelines as well. So how are we showing up for each other is really important. What are the meeting expectations? Are we all expected to be on Zoom or Microsoft Teams all day long? And what does that really mean? And we've had very open and honest conversations about, you know, setting our meeting schedules and setting up um, dedicated work time. And, you know, reaching out to each other, whether you're in the same on the same team or, you know, reaching out to your colleagues in engineering or in regulatory, you know, in the same way that if you ran into them in the lunchroom grabbing a cup of coffee, you would check in with them. 
So we've we've encouraged that kind of behavior at a time where it's really easy to kind of isolate yourself. So in particular, the role that marketing played in this shift was was pretty massive. And I'll tell you the most one of the most important pieces of all of this was our shift from a sales-driven organization where we were reaching out and doing sales calls and and talking about um, our features and benefits of our product to a, a rapid shift to being a service organization. And what I mean by that is we launched a campaign called All Together Now. And um, it was you know, a bit risky for us, honestly, because we were we were really um, going out on a limb as thought leaders on this. And the All Together Now campaign had multiple pillars to it. It was about education. It was about recognition of those on the front line and those making a difference during the pandemic. And it was really about um, thought leadership. And so in taking that approach, we put together resources for people that use non-in products right now. Um, But also, and probably most importantly, is we assumed that the hospitals and healthcare um, workers would be pulled from different areas. And this was back in April. We figured they'd be pulled from different areas. So perhaps we would have somebody that typically works on, you know, obstetrics and delivers babies, they might be on a COVID floor or they might be up in the ICU. And, you know, were they um, well-trained and did they understand, you know, how to use and, um, and understand and, and know what the SPO2s were, were showing them? You know, we always assume that everybody um, in a hospital uses all the same equipment, which is not true. So that's an example of how we really changed our mindset and said, what do people need from us to support the work that they're doing right now? And what we saw was it really, really resonated with the audiences that we were trying to reach. So healthcare workers and um, you know EMS, other frontline um, folks, they were really gravitating towards our, our how-to videos and um, our diagrams and, you know, how to disinfect, um, how to clean our, our products. That was really something that was important to them. And then we had that recognition arm where we were recognizing the people around the, around the world, not just in the United States, but globally, that were making an impact in treating um, COVID-19 patients. And then thought leadership, you know, how are we all going to adapt? How are the business models going to change? It's a very real part of every single day, what we talk about right now. And part of that thought leadership for us is um, we're holding a um, series of conferences called MedTech Fit, where we're engaging with our peers in the industry to say, hey guys, we're all in this together. I sure don't have all the answers. I'm assuming that you know my peers at Medtronic and Smith and Nephew they may not have all the answers, but we're all going to come together and we're going to have a, you know, a healthy dialogue around what are those changes and how are we adapting and, and really innovating through this, you know, I, I don't like the word unprecedented, but I have yet to come up with a better word, but this is just not a time that any of us could have ever planned for. You know, I think that's interesting, Christine, because I've seen more 
sort of collaboration um, between whether it's different industries, you know, that it's the healthcare industry that's, you know, partnering, Medtronic partnering with Tesla on respirators, you know, things like that. I don't think we would have seen in 2020 had it not been for the pandemic. So, you know, I think it was also Mm -hmm. interesting what you, you talked about, you know, you had to think beyond just selling a product, right? You had to think about selling a service and helping people understand, um, you know, their role in the in the COVID world. And so I think that that was a really smart shift that Nana Medical did um, to, you know, to to really voice that you're more than just a product company. You're really a service, you know, service oriented company that's there to help your customer, um, whether that customer is your typical customer or whether it's an OBGYN who's, who doesn't do a lot of interaction with your technology previously. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is true. I think um, one, you know, one strong lesson that has come out of all of this um, for us, because, you know, through through the times of adversities, it's it's um, an opportunity to really, really learn and and figure out things and look at them in a different way. And I think your points about you know the ventilators and the companies that we saw who had never touched a patient or medical device or healthcare or hospitals or knew anything about it, you know they um, they were inspired and they were moved to go beyond what they are, were comfortable with. And I, I think that that shows a lot about, you know, um, who people are to their core and how that carries through organizations and companies and then ultimately, you know, makes makes care better for all patients around the world. And, you know, as a medical device industry, it is really important that that we do collaborate. It, it's important that it's you know, yes, um, we, people are, are, they have numbers to make and revenues to achieve. But in the midst of that, I think what we found is how great is it that we can bring salespeople together from different companies for a very open dialogue that under normal circumstances probably wouldn't be happening, but yet we're all recognizing that we're better together and we are truly, you know, all together in this and we need to really share our plans of, of and visions of where we see things shifting to um, because it's important to take care of our industry as a whole. What we do is very important and it does make a difference in people's lives and we need companies to make it through this as whole as possible. I completely agree, Christina. I think one thing about our industry is the the individuals who work in it are are truly passionate in whatever capacity they work they're truly truly compa- uh, truly passionate about medical device and patient care and uh, it sounds like Nanan was well suited for this new environment and managed it well um, and it also sounds like you are very positive on um, on our industry pivoting and, and 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 changing, and I was curious if you if you foresee these new trends being an issue for growth and sustainability or in the future, or if you feel that that uh, we will embrace what's going on right now and and evolve over time in a in a very positive and new way. Yeah, great question. Um, you know, so. 
I think like many of my colleagues, many people in the industry in general, we're watching a lot of these reports. So daily, we all get the McKinsey reports. We get JP Morgan. We get LEK. You know, we get these great insights from people that are global watching, you know, trends and data and they, and they excel at that and they're experts in it. I think the big challenge for us is we see a lot of common threads and what we're assuming and, and the changes that we're expecting um, in what's being reported out by those larger organizations. The, the real challenge becomes how do we take that information and, you know, use it to inform our company specifically and our marketplaces it can become overwhelming and and just i'll tell you right now i'm pretty guilty of just constantly looking at this and sending it off to my team saying hey what about this or you know a a new covid-19 report for you know that's that's looking at the next wave or whatever that might be but i think we have to be really cautious about how we take that information, digest it, and really use it to create our own plans and path forward. There are definitely some immediate changes and, and that we're living through right now that we lived through over the last you know six months. Probably the biggest one for the industry is that, that access. We are an industry driven by relationships and access and direct touch points with our decision makers, whether that be a surgeon, a physician, a purchaser, you know, um, or one of the a hospital administrator, we're used to those relationships and they're very important to us and they're very important to our business models. And yet those are no longer available to us like they were in 2019. So the reality of that is as you look at the data that's coming in and yet you know what your business needs and how do you then pivot? What are you going to do? It was really the question of what are you going to do in order to keep those relationships and continue to be that that partner with your, you know, your your clinician or your healthcare provider, whoever that end end user is. And I would say a big part of that, as we all know, is becoming that digital push. It's becoming how do you interact? digitally with with your with the people you're trying to connect with. So whether that's through training, evaluations, demos, you know, what are what are the customer expectations and all of this? And I think there's a great opportunity for us to really utilize those existing platforms. I know there's a lot being developed and there's a lot to to really um, you know, look at and consider when you're when you're thinking about digital, but that is a reality of where we're at today. And we may not like it and we may not be comfortable in it. But, at, you know, one of the things I say to my teams almost daily is today is our normal. So we can't wait for that new normal to be defined by others or wait for something to happen to us. We have to look at today and say, this is what we know as of today. And this is how we're going to plan and be proactive. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's it's certainly um, uncomfortable because even if had somebody had told us a year or two ago, this hey, this is the direction we're heading in 2020. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure uh, where 
where we would have all gone with that. Um, so it's it's forced us to look at business and, and look at how we're um, achieving our corporate goals in a very, very different way. You know, I like that. That was a very um, kind of Buddhist Zen saying that you have. What did you say? It's, it, it is our normal. Today is our normal. <laughs> yes. Today is our normal. It's, yeah. It's like, you know, don't, don't wait for it, man. Just, you just got to go with what you've got today. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Zen person. <laughs> so, but it's very living for saying that. very living in the moment kind of idea. And I like that. Um, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about maybe some career advice you have for, for some people. And, you know, having been a scientist, you've worked in sales, you've been a CEO running a company, you've been a marketer. I think you have a really unique viewpoint um, that you can help other marketers with. And so with that in mind, how do you think that marketers can continue to prove their value to their executive teams? Yeah. So it, it has been a great journey for me and one that, you know, I think when we all start out on our career paths and having a daughter that's, you know, just three months into a career in medical device, you know, we all start out with these ideas of where we're going to go and, and you have those goals and that plan in mind. And I think that's important, but I also think it's important to look at, you know, the opportunities um, that that come to you that as maybe a 22 year old um, or even a 35 year old or a 45 year old um, that's, you know, more seasoned in your career that, you know, sometimes we, we tend to get very, very focused. Um, and I think sometimes to our detriment. And that was one thing I learned very early in my career, I would say is I started out as a scientist and rapidly moved into um, clinical research. And that was not a path that I had identified for myself at all. But as, as I evolved and as I watched other people that were successful in their careers, it became apparent to me that, you know, where you add the most value to an organization, whether the executive team or your peers or you know, um, your sales team around the world is by being a really well-rounded individual and being able to talk and be extremely informed across many disciplines. So by having a background in science and moving into clinical research, that certainly gave me the ability to talk about data, to talk to physicians and surgeons and understand their language. And then as I went into marketing, Th that became extremely important in the way that I, you know, set up plans and looked at forecasting and um, how how were we going to put metrics in place to measure our success. Yeah. Um, that's where you be really become an asset to the organization. The more well-rounded you are, so maybe you're not an engineer that's okay. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be a mechanical engineer to understand and have dialogue with your, with your peers in that group and really um, try and dig into the data and the testing and the rationale behind it. Because the more you understand on the front end of a product uh, before you get to that big day of launch, the more valuable that commercial plan can, can become to the organization. And, and then therefore by default, 
you know, your value to the executive team becomes, you know, much higher as well. Christine, you mentioned you have a daughter who's a recent college graduate. This is a really unique time for people to be graduating from college um, with the job market being what it is. And I wondered if you had any advice for those new graduates on their job search and how they might maximize their network or figure out other ways to get their foot in the door someplace. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, what a, what a, what a time to be a a new grad. Um, Certainly a a different time for both recruiting, for interviewing and, and for networking. I mean, when we think back to, you know, 2019, our advice to new grads would have been go to a bunch of industry events, reach out, be active on LinkedIn and ask for a coffee meeting and, you know, really try and get that, that personal touch and that FaceTime as much as you can. Because the one thing we all know is networking and getting jobs through your network is the number one tool. And if, if you're being challenged by that right now, you know, you need to think a little bit differently. So, you know, you still know people though, as a new grad and your parents still know people and your neighbors still have connections and you, there should be nothing stopping you from reaching out to those people and asking them for a, for a call. And even depending on where you are in the world right now, maybe it, maybe FaceTime is um, more of an option for you, but you know, the networking piece cannot be undersold here. And while there's a lot of jobs that are being posted, you have to assume that there's, you know, an amazing amount of new grads applying for those, for those jobs. So networking to me um, is, should really continue to be that number one place. And, and to be uncomfortable, this is an area where you're going to have to be like, oh, I don't want to ask my neighbor who works at, you know, this medical company or is a doctor or I don't want to ask them that just, you know, this is a great chance to grow and stretch yourself a little bit. You're going to need to ask um, and network in that way and and be a little bit more courageous in how you approach those conversations Um and have a very specific ask at the end of it. You know, let them know, I just graduated. I'm looking for my first job in marketing or regulatory or engineering with a medical device company. Any thoughts or any any connections that you could, you know, help me with? Um, have an ask. And uh, as a marketer, that should be a fundamental, always have an ask. So um, I think it's a great opportunity to, to force yourself to really do something that might feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's great advice, whether you're just graduating or whether you have 10, 15, 20 years of experience (laughs) right now is a time where we're all uncomfortable. Um, And so if you, you know, kind of lean into that a little bit and know that, you know, it's not easy for any of us, no matter where we are in our careers to do some of these new things and these new reach outs, um, I, you know, I think that's an important point. Um, the other thing I might say too is always have an ask, but also always, or also consider what your give is. Um, mm. And I would, mm. you know, just say that, you know, especially for new graduates, you know, somebody know something about the company that you're reaching out to before you reach out. 
um, or track them on a Google alert. If you know you want to, you know, work for a company in the Twin Cities, you know, set up a Google alert for those company names. And then when news comes up about them, then you have something to say, you know, along with, I'd love to meet you on a Zoom for coffee. You can also say, I saw the news, I saw your annual report and, and, you know, show your insight into that market and, you know, where you might be able to provide value or just show your, show your smarts. Yeah, Julie, that's a great point. And I think, you know, the give and the ask, right? There should be that, that balance there. I think that's a really, really good point. Yes, I, I agree. I, I think that this is relevant uh, advice for, as Julie mentioned, for recent college grads entering the, entering the job market, as well as seasoned professionals. Uh, right now is not the time to be shy and stand back. Right now is the time to, to be brave and courageous. And to Christine's point, ask that neighbor who you think, it, who you know is in, as in the med device field or a specific field that you're interested in. And uh, there's, there's no wrong answers right now. Everybody, I think the, in, the most interesting thing about this experience we're going through is there's we're all going through it and there's everybody is is open and willing to help each other because everybody needs help right now and in many ways nobody's living their best life and it's important (laughs) to all come together and to provide a, a support and a community for for each other so i love the advice um that was given out out of out of this question, and I hope that 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 helps our listeners out there. Switching gears, Christine, I I wanted to ask um, uh, take the conversation in another direction. What are some of your favorite, most successful, or even memorable marketing moments? Oh, that is, gosh, you know, Amy, that just takes me back. I was, I, I was you know, thinking about this, like, where do you even start? Um, So there are so many moments and, and all of them um, really, really have to do with the people aspect of, of marketing Um, and that, that relationship and that communication. And it's, it's very interesting. And I think what makes some of my memories so memorable is the fact that they were unexpected. Um, and the human element and how we leveraged um, the story to create a marketing opportunity is really is really where a lot of lessons came from for me personally. So I think we we all sit down and we create a plan and it looks great on paper. <laughs> but then how you translate that is sometimes um and I wouldn't even say sometimes, I would say that is the challenge, right? So there was, I have a specific memory that takes me back to a company I worked for um, that was a, a spine company. And that spine company had a founder and that founder was so, he was a physician, he was a surgeon. He was so absolutely devoted to the product and absolutely convinced that it was going to change the life of people that needed spine surgery. Um, In particular, the product was developed to be be an alternative to spinal fusion. So spinal fusion is where you, you, you 
fuse two vertebrae together to make them one. And oftentimes, almost always, you know, requires metal or implants to be in there. And, you know, it's a very invasive procedure. Even today, while it's become less invasive, it's still an invasive procedure. And, um, you know, you're fusing bones together. So you're changing the biomechanics of the body. His goal was to keep the natural biomechanics of the body as much as he could. And he he truly believed that what he had invented was going to was going to do that. And he was so dedicated to it that he took the material and he implanted that material in his own body because the FDA at the time, and this is decades ago, was giving him pushback on the material. And I was not with the organization at the time, but his devotion and his proving it to them. um, And I never talked to him about this. So there's part of me that was always like, is this a real story? Did this really happen? But whether it did or not, what it instilled in me as a marketer was if there is a surgeon that believes this much that keeping the natural biomechanics of the body is this important, then that means this is a an important high-level message that we have to get out there. Now, would we have come to that messaging on our own? Maybe, but because of the actions and observing those actions or listening to the stories or you know, understanding the dedication combined with really understanding the biomechanical testing. So this goes back to something I said earlier, which is, you know, really understand and be a well-rounded marketer, understand all of these different elements before you go out and, and throw something into the world. And by taking the data and, and this, this story, you know, it changed how we were going to approach the market and how we were going to launch and how we were going to commercialize. And I think that to me was such an impactful moment. There's certainly been people that have made just incredible differences in my career personally, but that was one of those aha moments where I thought, this is why you listen. This is why you listen and you observe um, before you, you know, start with your own assumptions. Wow. That's quite a story. Um, And that's, that's quite a level of devotion. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think that's one of the most, the most compelling and amazing things about our industry is, is this, this level of passion and commitment that our, that our founders, that our physicians, that our marketers, that our customers have. It's, it truly is, I, I think, unsurpassed and, 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 so critical and so important. And I think it's what makes our industry really gel and so impactful. And along, along those same lines, uh, and talking about devotion and are, are there, are there any other marketing tools or apps or books that you are devoted to Christine, that you have lived by that you would highly recommend, um, to those in our industry and to those starting out? Yeah. So, you know, it really, um, I think that is one of those questions, Amy, that is really important um, to ask throughout your career. So we talked about the importance of networking and um, early in your career, but what a great question to ask somebody 
that you're talking to that's more experienced? You know, what have you learned from what, what have you read that, you know, changed, um, you know, really changed your, your path or influenced you? And I think that, you know, sometimes we look at apps or books or tools and we say, they're going to just, you know, um, be, be, you know, riveting and, and I'm going to just, they're just going to change everything. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but I also think you can sometimes take away from these, these tools. Um, you know, what are the things that maybe you want to be mindful of? Um, what, what lessons, you know, or what do you disagree with? Or, you know, where do you want to challenge yourself and maybe go and grab a different perspective? I, I can't necessarily say there is one, one tool that, um, you know, I couldn't live without, or I would highly recommend. And it's probably because I use so many (laughs) that it's like, who's your favorite child? I mean, you can't answer that question, you know, and um, not that I have one in case my, in case all my daughters hear this, but, um, (laughs) but but I really do think it's more around where are you going to drive the conversation once you've read this book or who are you going to share this marketing tool with? How are you going to engage other people in it? Because for you to keep it to yourself is kind of like, great, you know, you, you did that and that's great. But if you don't, if you don't expand on something that was meaningful to you and bring others into it, then it was kind of, you know, there's a lost opportunity there. Um, I will tell you that I'm doing something personally now that I haven't done since 1992. And that is I've gone back to school and I'm taking a course. And, you know, for me, that is something I would not have considered in a non-COVID world. And it's been just really cool, quite frankly, to be back with a variety of people in a different setting, talking about a different topic and that discussion group is really the most impactful piece, I think, because we have a book and we have modules and it's that discussion forum where we share ideas and thoughts about the books and, you know, some of the the other tools that are presented to us and the inventory assessments that we've taken where I've learned the most personally is, is in that interaction. So it's been really, um, really fun. Um, to feel like a college kid again. Christine, that's great. Um, But I do have a parting question for you because between your VP of marketing position with non-medical, you're taking a class, you have three grown daughters who you support. um, You have to have some kind of morning fix to get your day going. Since since our (laughs) podcast is the morning fix, I'd love to know, um, you know, what you do to get going in the morning. Well, you know, I'm going to state the obvious, which is I love my coffee (laughs) and I am a bit of a, a bit of a coffee snob. And then I have to grind my own beans and they have to be fresh because it is, it is one of those parts of my day that is a, just a ritual, a happiness that I look forward to. Um, you know, I will say besides the obvious of that, my morning fix is really, um, I do have the opportunity now to get out and, and walk and get some exercise in, um, whether it's a walk or a run or an early morning, um, tennis match. It's, it's really great to take advantage of the fact that I can do that and I can still, 
you know, join you two for this, this early morning um, discussion and, and plenty of time to get on with the rest of my day. That's definitely one of the advantages of not having a daily commute is having a little bit more free time to do some of those things for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Christine. And, and, and really, truly, thank you for your time and thoughts. They were all great insights. And thank you to all of our listeners. We're so thrilled you joined us. Please be on the lookout for more interviews from medical technology marketing leaders, amazing leaders like Christine Horton and others to come. And thank you for tuning into The Morning Fix. 